0: Well, super excited for another episode of Talking Church, and today is a very, very special privilege. We are joined all the way from Singapore by Pastor Dominic Yeo, Mm -hmm. and it is is just a privilege to have you here. You are the pastor of Trinity Christian Center Mm -hmm. in Singapore, and something that we we talk about a lot, and, and my dad is such a big fan of yours, and we were just talking about this, how it, it was really five years in the making for you to be here. Obviously, there was something that happened in the middle of that <laughs> that interrupted it, but he was actually there in Singapore with you guys in March of 2020, right, right. as COVID was breaking out, and he came back. That was his last trip before COVID um, around the world, and so that that's kind of the the story that he shares all the time. And you were supposed to come a little bit ago, but yeah. the travel restrictions were still in place. And so you're here in the flesh. You've made it to Minnesota. yes. And after flying for 20-some hours, your flight getting canceled, you said, I want to do the podcast and be here, and then you'll get to go to bed. But we're, we're just privileged mm-hmm. that you're here. Thank you so much.
1: No, you guys are welcome. It's yeah. a
0: privilege. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Can you can you first tell us a little bit about you and your call into ministry leading I mean I'm sure there's there's so many questions that people have that are listening but maybe they don't even know where Singapore is maybe they are very familiar and have been there as well but what is the religious you know culture of Singapore and then why why be a pastor and plant a church now you're the superintendent there's a, a lot going on that we'll maybe get to but However, you want to take that. <laughs> well,
1: Singapore is uh, situated in Southeast Asia. Some folks think that we're part of China, but we're not. Um, but ethnically, we are Chinese. Okay. So our forefathers came from China and they came to this, this peninsula strip in Southeast Asia. And Singapore is actually a tiny little red dot. Hmm. Yeah. Um, if you drive east to west, uh, it will take you easily about 50 minutes. Just 50 minutes? Yeah. Anything more than that, you're in the ocean. (laughs) Yeah. So it's small. Yeah, it's small. And if you drive south to north, you can do it in 45 minutes. Wow. Anything more than that, you're driving into Malaysia. So the country is a city. Yeah, the country is a city. So it's a a small little country city. um, 700 kilometers square. Mm. And um, there is about 5.6 million people living in that little place. So everything is built high rise. Sure. Yeah. So everything is built up. Uh, It's one of the most modern city in the Far East. Uh, In terms of IT technology, we are comparable to, I mean, we're actually part of the Silicon Valley. Mm. So when you think about the Silicon Valley, you think about San Francisco, Singapore, and Bangalore, India. Mm. These three cities in the world forms what they call the Silicon Valley. Mm. And, in terms of um, movie release, it, once Hollywood released the movie right here in stateside, it's released in Singapore, same time, mm. um, including iPhones released. So uh, we are part of the privileged uh, countries in a world that uh, gets everything about the same time uh, when US uh, has their launches, whether movies or technology. Wow. Yeah, uh, as a country, we um multicultural. Uh, there are different culture groups, uh, the Indians, the Malays, the Chinese, and what they call the Eurasians. Mm. Uh, those from Europe marrying Asians, so mm. uh, they, they call them the Eurasians. So, uh, and because we are multicultural, we are also multi-religious. So... Um, all major religions are found in Singapore. And uh, we try to live in harmony with one another. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, even right now, we, you know the government has made space for even the LGBTQ. Mm. Yeah. But having said that, uh, Singapore is still a very conservative nation, mm-hmm. uh, still religious as a nation. So uh, that is kind of kept at bay. Uh, so you have the freedom to express what you believe in, mm-hmm. uh, and um, in a sense, you live and that live. Sure. Yeah. yeah
0: so, so in, in terms of compared to what a lot of people are used to in the states, it, it seems. And again, I've not been there, but it seems to be as as close to some of the uh, some of the freedoms and even culture, affluence um, as, as other places that maybe surround it. Yeah, so in that sense, uh, in terms of affluence and all that, yeah. Because um, I think the movie Crazy Rich Asians, is that about Singapore? Yes, yeah.
1: and it, it, it is about 90% accurate okay. in that sense. So That's pretty if good. I if if you've seen it. So uh, yeah, it, it is, it's one of the world's most expensive city to live in. Mm. Um, we were the most expensive city to live in for a number of years, and then I think... The last couple of years, we are probably number two, number three. Sure. Right there. So, yeah. So, Depends who you ask, really. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, I mean, so as a country, we are, um, you know, by per capita ratio, we are financially very able. But that, at the same time, uh, has allowed modernization to kind of uh, erode certain value system. Mm-hmm. Or, in a sense, new values are being embraced. Yeah. So... So as a pastor, while we believe in change, and change is the name of the game, it is important to also understand that there are certain ancient landmarks that you do not shift. Hmm. Take, for instance, family. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, the definition of marriage and family, those are very, very important for us. And, uh, and so we preach that pretty strongly mm-hmm. in Singapore.
0: What What would you say in, in the church, I mean, this this is podcast called Talking Church, so obviously mm-hmm. we want to talk church. I, I would love, to, personally, you know, over the next few days, learning more about Singapore, and I want to come visit your airport too. It looks amazing. Oh, yeah, sure. Um, <laughs> but but in terms of the state of the church, in, uh, you know, your church, but even the the Capital C Church of Singapore, um, you know, it seems that, like you said, there's freedom to express, there's multi-religions. Oh, yeah. what, what would you say is the is the maybe barriers for people in the church or the thing that you would disciple uh, the most in? Cause you talk about family mm-hmm. and I know generosity, you and my dad yeah. have a lot of similarities in generosity yeah. and we can talk more about that too. Um, but, but do you see a, a, as a pastor, is there anything that you'd say, this is a big focus um, of our church aside from, I don't know, aside from everything, the gospel, of right. course, but.
1: Now that, that, you have raised something that is really the core of what we believe in in Trinity. Hmm. Because there are many, many issues yeah. uh, that we are fighting in terms of the cultural war, mm-hmm. so to speak. Yeah, And a lot of churches get sidetracked into maybe focusing on the LGBT issue sure. or focus on this issue or that issue. Uh, but the reality that, we, that I have been espousing in Trinity has been... We are not focused. We, we are not issue driven in that sense. Mm, yeah, we are mandate driven, and this is very important when we are going to talk about church. Uh, I believe for us as church pastors, it is always important to be mandate driven. What is the mandate God has given to the church, mm. and that is to make disciples. Yeah, yeah. And if that is the mandate, I mean, if the, those were the last words of Jesus Christ yeah. to the dis- disciples to make disciples, then. It should be our mandate to go make disciples. And if we disciple our, fa- our children well, they understand their sexuality. Hmm. If we disciple the family well, we have strong building blocks for the, for nation building. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, in that sense, I would want to encourage pastors to say, be mandate-driven, don't be issue-driven. Because there will be many issues that you and I will have to fight on. Yeah. But
0: is that... Is that a
1: fight God calls us to?
0: Yeah, and they change. Yes, throughout the years they change. Right. What I mean when you say the word mandate, a lot of people probably think of the mandates that we just have have gotten over. Even some listening say they're still in certain areas that have them. What? What? I mean, being in Asia during COVID, obviously there were some similarities to what was going on mm-hmm. in America. There were some differences. Right. But within your church what were some things that you learned? Cause you were shut down for a whole year yes. where you weren't meeting in person, but what were some of those big things that you, you've taken away? I think some people are, they're sick of talking about COVID, but there's some, some big blocks that we've learned that have, have shaped a lot of pastors in the way that they minister to people.
1: Sure, I think COVID in a sense, while it impacted the church, it should never have derailed the mission of the church or the mandate of the church. You see, because God is not God is not surprised. And the church shouldn't be surprised by COVID because the scripture talks about it in Matthew chapter 24 that there will be pestilence and all that. So it's part of the science of the end times. So the church should be ready for it. So while we have been while we have been closed for a year, the church learns to survive through using technology. Mm-hmm. So technology is good because it's allowed us to have services. It it has allowed us to penetrate through evangelism and missions. And through this time of COVID, we planted a church in Australia. Wow. Yeah. So so in a sense, the mandate of God is never shut down. Yeah. But the church finds a way of getting through it. But at the same time, COVID is also a pretty good test. Hmm. It shows the church the depth of discipleship and the foundation that the church has put into the lives of the folks that have been attending church. Because the reality is the the BANA research uh, came out with something uh, about seven months ago, maybe nine months now, that as a result of COVID, the church has lost 30% of its people. Hmm. This 30% are no longer attending church, so you have 70% left. Of the 70%, 40, 40, 50% made it back to church when the church came back online, uh, on site. The rest chose to stay online. Hmm. So it does show to the church the depth of discipleship and the foundation that the church actually has been building on. And so COVID, in a sense, is a good time for us right now to examine our ecclesiology and to set a reset button. Yeah. And then, for us to take stock of where we are and to build up, so during that one year while we were online, I preach a lot about coming together. Hmm. Yeah, because it is easy to scatter. it is difficult to gather, yeah. So um, so when we were allowed to restart, we did not restart because the government allows us with 50 people with wearing masks and no singing. yeah. And then 100 people with masks and no singing. But when they hit the 250 mark, we decided to go for it. Mm-hmm. So we kept our services. We kept a service on Saturday night and two services on Sunday morning, same time. Uh, but that, that only takes care of 750 people. We, yeah. have, we, we have about 10,000 people. Yeah. So what we did was we had nightly services. So we were streaming our services online but we had nightly services. so we, we Each we, night of the week. Yeah, so every night, so every Monday is called America Monday service. So uh, the reason why I'm sharing this is when the church gets into a difficult position, I think it's very important for us to break out and have church, but it is always good to then have a focus in the service because the weekend service, it's a service to inspire hope. Mm-hmm. But the weekday night services could be used differently for development, for discipleship. So, development of the staff members and at the same time, discipleship of the church. So, we had Miracle Monday. So, every Monday is a miracle time. Every Tuesday was a Bible study Tuesday. Every Wednesday was a prophetic night. And so, messages would be prophetic in nature and then there would be a prophetic prayer moment. Yeah. And then on Thursday, we have what we call a marketplace Thursday where we gather business folks and we talk about business issues. And the services will be ran a little bit different. It could be Mm. a forum. It could be a single guy preaching. It could be somebody sharing a testimony about a marketplace. Mm. And then Friday night is fabulous Friday where it's evangelism night. Mm. Yeah. 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 So our so our small groups takes place on a Friday night and then we say to the folks, you know, adopt this service and bring your oikos to this service. Bring Mm. your friends to this service. Yeah. But of course it's two hundred and fifty, so we had to stream the the services. So, So we kept we kept that on for about a year. Yeah. So only like a week ago. April the second, hmm. were we allowed to have seventy five percent capacity? Wow, yeah. So we have a thirty three hundred seater. So we were able to have yeah seventy five percent yeah. But remember, I said that during that time, I preach about coming back. Yeah, yeah. I preach so strong about we've got to gather. Yeah, even though we are streaming, even though we're using technology. I think there's something magical when the people of God get us. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. when I think a lot of people, specifically in America, when they look at the the church around the world, first of all, I, I don't know that we we fully understand what God is doing around the world. Mm-hmm. And then secondly, I think when we see when we see stories like yours, which is taking advantage of the opportunity that God's given you in COVID and, and going to that next level, working hard as service every single week, a lot of times we can say, "Well, yeah, that works for you in another mm-hmm. country, but in America, it doesn't work." And what I love about your story is Singapore, in a lot of ways, is more affluent, hardworking. I mean, the, these multiculturalism it, in in a lot of ways, it it's similar to to what's happening here in our country. And so, when you you ask your church to live at a high level yep. and, you know, in generosity, in yep. coming to church. Talk a little bit about that high expectation for people who are, could be very like, they, they could be very proud people. They could be very, hey, I'm, I'm wealthy or I have right. a good job or I live in Singapore, I, I've made it, I've made it maybe to from a, another country or I was born here. Mm-hmm. Do, do you deal with some of that entitlement culture? And it sure. seems like in the church, you, you squash it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> this whole entitlement thing, this whole convenience
1: mentality and this whole consumerism uh, lifestyle is steep. I mean, it's deep in Singapore. So we had to combat it. And as a result of that, we preach strongly about giving, extravagant giving. We don't preach about sacrificial giving. Hmm. Uh, yeah, you you know, you know, should give to the Lord and it should cost you something. Yeah, I mean, as David says, I'm not going to offer God that doesn't cost me a thing. Yeah. So yes, but we have to break out of just a sacrificial giving mode into a spirit of generosity, which is, let's give extravagantly without even saying that it's going to hurt me sure yeah so we train and we've been teaching this to the folks so in trinity a person a trinitarian which we call them hmm. a trinitarian will give about 30% of the income away wow now let me hold on hold that thought for a moment because in singapore there is no tax receipt
0: Oh, so there's no advantage to give. there is
1: no advantage to giving to a church. Wow. Yeah, so it is uh, outright giving. Yeah, yeah. So we we tell every folks give ten percent of your tithe, give ten percent to missions, and give ten percent of your income to the building hmm. to the mission, uh, which we call the vision fund. Sure, we don't call it a building fund; we call it a vision fund. Yeah, because facilities part of the vision. Sure, yeah, because. Uh, and so we are able to therefore purchase facilities, uh, renovate, redevelop, mm-hmm.
0: yeah, facilities for us in yeah. Singapore. That's one of the things that that my dad always talks about. He says, you know, in the in the AGUSA, he yeah. said, you know, we're the the number one missions giving church in right. the US, and he said, and and we're number two in the world, and he said, <laughs> and number one is in Singapore, and that's Trinity uh-huh. Christian Center, and he talks about you all the time, and yeah. I think he's he's so proud he's so proud to be number 2 and i think he'd always want to be number 2 but i think the the reason you guys have connected is because of your heart and in generosity i don't i don't think we could say that people give 30% of their income here mm-hmm. at river valley but i i would say there are people that give extravagantly yeah. you know from a percentage standpoint i don't know that we could figure it out but we see story after story of extravagance in giving mm-hmm. and i think that that unlocks it unlocks something inside of people that I think they didn't know they had before. And could you could you talk a little bit about that spirit of extravagance more? Right. That if if someone were saying in my church, you know, it's it's hard for us to have people give ten percent, and you know, we even do talk to churches and encourage them in their giving, but th- sometimes they're they need a, a push even further beyond right. beyond where they're at.
1: God is actually waiting to bless us. Mm-hmm. And that's something that we have to teach our folks. You see, the folks that come to Trinity, they are not millionaires. I pray for millionaires to come in. yeah. But the reality is that most of them are just your regular yeah. folks. So we started this campaign of giving. And then we went into sacrificial giving where a lot of us downsized our home hmm. and we brought in $150,000 into the church. Hmm. Yeah. And so when that started breaking out, starting with all of us as pastors, we kind of downgraded, uh, we, we brought in the money, and as soon as the congregation heard about it, they started doing the same. Hmm. Now, the reality is, as they started giving to the Lord, the Lord started blessing them mm-hmm. in ways beyond imagination. So a lot of times, we're afraid to give. And it sounds like the story of Elijah meeting the lady and says to her, now, make me a, a piece of bread. And she says, I'm nothing, nada, zilt. But you see, the prophet is still audacious enough to say, yeah, make me a meal and you can go kill yourself if you want to. <laughs> but because of that meal that she made for him, the blessings of God reign into her life. Yeah. And that is a biblical principle. Give and it shall be given unto you. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times as pastors, we are not audacious like Elijah to our folks to say, listen, I know you're hurting, but you still got to give. Yeah. And when the people of God hears that mandate to give and they obey that mandate to give, something triggers. Because God is waiting to bless. And God wants to bless us to be a blessing. And so when when our folks started giving, and as soon as they downsized to give, God up, upsized them. Hmm. God upgrades their home. Sure. And when that happened, the miracle of blessings begins to pour into their life. And this and many started testifying. In fact, during the, the Great Recession, that the subprime situation in the US, remember yeah. the subprime yeah. that went global. Um, I remember that weekend, I stood up. That, that Saturday m- morning, I had a board meeting and I said to the church board, I need a million dollars from the treasury to give to the folks that may be impacted by the recession. Hmm. So the treasurer and the board allows me a million bucks to be given away. Hmm. On Saturday, the first service, I stood up there and I said in the evening service, I said to the folks, I have a million dollars to give away. If you are impacted by the recession, see one of the pastors, we will give m- the money away. I say that on Sunday. Do you know, <laughs> during that, that period of time, we had only seven persons. <laughs> only seven. Wow. And the rest of the folks, during the recession, instead of being retrenched or um, were losing in terms of their contract, God blessed them with more contracts and a lot of our folks were promoted, hmm. so they they end up getting promoted with a higher salary. And when I speak to the pastors in Singapore, the mega church pastors, we gather and we talk about everyone had a had a haircut, so to speak, in terms of the income. Yeah. But we grew by a hundred percent in our income. Wow. During the recession. Mm-hmm. And that was the time that we raised the highest funds. Yeah. Yeah. Like for our missions fund, we raised about $15 million. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So, I mean, I, I think the principle is that God wants to bless us, Yeah. but we need to be audacious enough mm. to challenge our folks yeah. to trust the Lord. Sure. Yeah. Even at that point where it cost them. And then once they started... Once they move into this sacrificial giving, and then they see the blessing of God, they then learn to become extravagant givers mm. because they know that God is not a, God is not somebody that, that owes us anything. God is not a debtor. Yeah. God
0: is just willing to bless. Mm. And so, as a result, of that our folks are ready to give. Yeah. Yeah. No, that the what I'm hearing in both the story in COVID as well as in the recession is yeah. it's it's about making disciples, and I think rather than saying how how low of an expectation can we set for people to mm-hmm. come to church? It's how high of an expectation can we set to where people still keep showing up? Yeah. But but even further, it's what happens when, when we put the trust into what God is doing in their life. Because even as pastors, we can have a great strategy, we can mm-hmm. have a great system, we can have great classes, but at the end of the day, if it's not, getting into the root of, and the heart of our people, if it's not, you know, because in the recession or in COVID, if it was about the classes and the strategy, the people would leave. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't come anymore. And so I love that you're talking about that audacious um, discipleship and that audacious ask um, to, 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 to be there. Do, do you think that was something you always had, or do you feel like that was something that you had to grow as a pastor? Cause how many years have you been pastoring it? at, at I've been um I've been at Trinity
1: the church is about 55 years old. I've been pastoring the church for the last 17 years. Okay. Um it's always had a good foundation of faith, but after I took over the church 17 years ago, we grew our income by 100% the following year and then it has been growing year on year um you know, so when I look back, I mean, we—it's—it's it's a high leap, and that's because I think as a pastor, we need to set very high expectation for the folks, and people rise to your expectation. Mm-hmm. Uh, because really, the word expectation is also the same word as vision. When you cast a strong vision, there will be provision. That's why the word provision—God provides in your vision. Mm. So. I I believe that when we have a strong, compelling vision, the provision will come. Hmm. Yeah, it comes with it. And and that's something that I learned as a pastor, that I should have a high expectation. I should expect. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, It's not wrong to expect. A lot of us sometimes look at our folks and say, oh, they're hardworking folks. Uh, They're already doing so much. Uh, But, you know, God loves to use busy people. Mm. Yeah. Because in reality, the devil is not afraid of you coming to know Jesus Christ, but he's afraid of what you will do for Jesus Christ. Mm. So if I want to see history makers in the church, and if I want to really demolish the gates of hell, then I should have a strong vision and a strong expect
0: from the folks. Yeah. Yeah what what would you say is something that you would or that you see in America in the american church and and i don't i mean I don't know how much you you travel over here it seems like you've been over in, in America quite often yeah. but what are things that you'd say hey this is this is something that I love about what the American church is doing, and maybe this is a a threat that I see in the American church
1: yeah where the assemblies of god u s a is concerned yeah uh, I see a very strong missioner pushed, and and that's really wonderful. The downside of that, the downside of it is that sometimes we are so strong in missions that we have we are not really focused on our local scene. Sure. So. I feel the the American church needs to revisit the local scene Mm -hmm. and build stronger base in their churches. Mm -hmm. Uh, I love the church planting movement, but I I want to see the planting of mega church Mm. because a mega church gives birth to a mega church. Sure, an elephant doesn't give birth to a. A mouse, yeah, a mouse, yeah. yeah. An elephant give birth to another elephant. Sure. So, I want to encourage the American churches to really consider that while missions is important, and let's continue to do missions, mm-hmm. and let's continue to push hard for missions. But when we push hard for missions, we should have an expectation that that missions work will, will look just like us here. Sure. And then, when you guys plant churches in USA, then we need to plant strong churches. So it's not just about planting a church and then just making a number. Yeah. But you want to make a mark.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's it's ironic a little bit being that you know talking with River Valley and Trinity, you know, in the assemblies, the two churches that give the most amount of missions. To hear you say that, but I, what I hear you saying is, is we can be stronger and and just moving fast. And like for for our church, one of our our, our core values is to send five hundred missionaries around the world. Right. But what we we've had conversations about that we could do it faster by just sending out anybody. Yeah. But we have a mandate that is no, we send our best. Yeah. And so we send people that are going to reproduce, that are going to create. That are, if we're sending them to a difficult place, they have to be ready and equipped to to. Take on the the weight of that difficult place, and so I, I love that what you're saying, and and talk a little bit about you know you you lead a mega church you know River Valley we're we're a mega church similar in size on a yep. weekend. What would you say to those who are maybe critical of that? To say every well every you know I, I've seen a lot of pastors who say. You, every pastor should know every person's name in their church, or every every pastor should should not have a church over 200 because that's just too many people to pastor or manage. What would you say to some people who maybe would have that critique? Well, I believe that if there's
1: quality, there will be quantity. Hmm. Yeah, so if, if they truly believe that if you should know everybody in the church, then there should be quantity as well. Hmm. Yeah, because if you are truly discipling everyone and you know them by name, then the church should be growing by leaps and bounds, and it will come to a point where you are not going to be able to remember the names. Sure, I can remember up to about a thousand over names mm-hmm. in the church, but beyond that, it's yeah, because when when the church starts growing, the structure changes. Our role as a pastor changes as well. Yeah, so I become a shepherd to the shepherds. Mm. So, take for instance, I preach about, of course, during COVID, and now I preach a little bit more. But I used to preach pre-COVID, since since I took over the church, I preach about four times a year. Wow. Yeah, so this is a little bit different from most pastors who dominates the pulpit. Yeah. I believe in team ministry, and so I preach about four times. And the reason is because I'm trying to develop preachers. Sure. Uh, I. So during that time, I would, while I may not be preaching to the church, I would preach to the leaders of the church. So every Mm. month, we gather about 1,500 to 2,000 of our leaders. Mm -hmm. Today, I meet them once every two months. On a Sunday afternoon from 2.30 to 5.30, it will be my time with the leaders because they know it's premium time. Yeah. So... It could be a time of me envisioning. It could be a time of me speaking to them. It could be a time of me uh, sharing my heart with them, as leaders. So during that three hours, I would preach, I would minister, I would envision for them hmm. because they are leaders. Yeah. So uh, my touch would be to the leaders, and then they begin to pastor the folks. Yeah. So I think. Uh, we, we need to change this paradigm of saying we need to keep the church small so that we know everybody. And hey, listen there there is something about strength. Mm-hmm. Government gov- political leaders will come to you when they know that you're a big fish mm. yeah If you are small, if you are just if you are just a 200, who pays attention to you? Sure. but if you are a 10,000 10, man church, you could do a lot more with the critical mass. You could raise more money to impact the kingdom. Sure. So I believe in growth. So uh, yes, start somewhere, but then grow. Yeah. As you said earlier on, when we plant a church, we give our best. Mm-hmm. And I think that is that is the right philosophy, the right value, because God gave His best, His Son, mm-hmm. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Uh, and so we don't compromise on that, yeah. So when we started our church in Jakarta, when we started our church in Bangkok, when we started our church in Melbourne, uh, yeah, we gave some of our best pastors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then like, uh, we start churches in Singapore by taking a buck of our congregation and we give away. And this is not part of Trinity. So while we plant churches in, in Singapore, the churches, some of the churches we planted are not part of our network. Sure, they're independent. Yeah, they yeah. they're part of the assemblies of God. Sure. Yeah, so they are independent from Trinity. Mm-hmm. So the way we plan is, we tell the folks, "Listen, I need a hundred of you to come," and then I give about three, four pastors away, mm-hmm. and I and then we bless them and they go and we support them financially for a full year. Wow. Yeah,
0: that's amazing. Yeah it's it's interesting when you talk about the the strength in numbers I mean you, you look at the pharisees and you know the sadducées and even the roman leaders the the uproar that was starting was because so many people began to to go listen to Jesus it mm-hmm. wasn't it wasn't that he had 12 disciples that wasn't no, what they were no. frustrated about they were frustrated that the masses were starting to listen and obviously you know we know that the you know, he, he's the perfect example yeah. of, of leading and growing. But he also, to your point of discipleship, there were times where he would call people to do things mm-hmm. that were challenging, and then they'd leave. So right. the numbers would grow, then the numbers would shrink, then the numbers would grow again. And on Pentecost, thousands, mm-hmm. you know, were added in that. Um, something we also say, though, is we don't hate small churches or look down on small churches, but we believe that churches should want to grow, and there's some churches that I think have that idea of we don't want to grow. And that's kind of what you were speaking to. Yeah, because yeah. the reality is if there's life, there will be growth. Yes. I mean,
1: I, I, I just became a young grandfather. <laughs> so Elizabeth is three months old. But you know what? Between the first three weeks that I saw her and now, she has put on a lot more weight <laughs> and she has grown longer, taller, so to speak. Yeah. So if there is life, there will be growth. Hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a basic thing in life. So for us to start a church and say, well, I'm going to cap it at this number, uh, that, is, that is ironic. That is going against the law of nature. Hmm. There, there is a natural law that God wants us all to live in. And then there is a supernatural law that precedes the natural law. But we should never say to the natural law, this is it. Hmm. Yeah. And once you kept the natural law, you also kept supernatural law. Hmm. But when you allow the natural law to be in operation, then it allows the supernatural law to proceed hmm. and to overtake natural law. Hmm. So that, that that to me is very important. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, so you're right. We don't want to despise them, but we want to challenge the small churches to say, hey, listen, you need to grow.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Ta- on the, the vein of the you were talking about the supernatural law in terms of the, the gifts of the supernatural. I I think there's a, I would say there's a, Intrigue, a a. I don't know if we're at an awakening point yet. I'm sure some places around the world, there certainly yeah. is. There's there's revival happening in in pockets all over, and you know, people. Well, where's the revival? Well, it's here. It's it's in mm-hmm. it's in different packages than maybe what you would expect. But in terms of what your view is, you know, maybe not just in your church, but in in the church around the world. Where do you see the the gifts of the spirit, the supernatural, the, you know, because for a lot of people, it's, well, we don't want to spook people or we don't want them to think we're crazy and weird um, in, in a modern culture. What, what do you, what is your view on that?
1: Yeah, and this is where, um, in Asia, in Asia, um, you know, um, the encounter with the supernatural is something that is a given hmm. because of the different, ethnic group and a different re, uh, religious group so this the supernatural is something that is expected now uh, on state side when i look at what's happening in the state side i see a phenomena and that phenomena has to do with a movement that came you see th- there was a supernatural move of god in the in the churches when you look back in history then there came a movement of uh, where we don't want we don't want a supernatural s- to spoof the folks, and so it so it came forth what we call a seeker sensitive model, yeah, and that that almost say to the Holy Spirit, listen, Holy Spirit, we want you to only do it in this manner, <laughs> and outside of it, come on, just leave it alone, sure, uh, and that's sad because when you read the scripture, when you read the gospel, you see the supernatural following Jesus Christ. And Jesus says, greater works shall you do. And that's those workings of miracle. So I believe that every church needs to now learn to move from the cross to Pentecost. Mm. We love the cross. And I'm not saying that we deny the cross. We begin with the cross because it is at the cross we get salvation. But it's at Pentecost we get empowerment. Mm. So yes, we all need the salvation of God, but we need the spirit empowerment. And when there's a spirit empowerment, that's when the gift of God begins to be uh, released into the church so that what we read in the book of Acts is normal for us. Yeah, it's It, it should be normal in all of our churches to see the gift yeah. uh, you know, being operated. But... Strangely, in some of the Western world that I go to, uh, I don't see a lot of supernatural gifts being released. Mm. Why? Because uh, we've been quite impacted by the seeker-sensitive model where we are concerned about the loss. But the reality is that the loss are uh, turning towards Eastern philosophies. (laughs) They're turning towards Eastern spirituality. Sure. Why? Because they are looking for the supernatural. Mm. So if the church learns to be naturally supernatural yeah. in the Lord, I tell you, there will be a big in gathering because the folks out there are gonna say, say that I need a miracle. I need to come to church. Yeah, I need a miracle. I need to go to a believer. Yeah, but it's because we believers we are we are living like them,
0: becoming like them. Sure. So we are not w- walking in the power of the spirit. Yeah, it's almost as if the, I mean. God talks about it that you you're not to you know be of the world but be yeah, in it and it's yeah. that we've we've become we have tried to tailor ourselves so much so to the people we're trying to reach that we are almost missing the point in which what they need mm-hmm. which is the power of the Holy Spirit that's that's um, yeah yeah. Be,
1: yeah so you think of about that we want to be relevant yeah but beings, we want to be so relevant to that point where we dilute sure. Who we are. Yeah. So I say let the church be the church and let's return to Pentecost. Yeah. 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 Let, let's go from the cross to Pentecost because it is an X2
0: 4 the spirit was released into yeah. the, the life of the church. When you when you think about the the future of the church and you know we just got out of the pruning, you know, 30% are gone. They're not right. they're not back in the church and many are watching online. What is your view and, you know, even what you believe God's speaking to you, what you see in the church of, you know, the Bible talks about how the road is narrow and, right. and many will call upon my name and yet I will say I've never never known you. I never knew mm-hmm. you. Um, do you believe we're moving into a time where we'll continue to prune and prune in the church and get smaller but stronger? Or do you believe that there is more opportunity for the church to grow both stronger and wider? I think the church will grow stronger and wider because Jesus
1: Christ is coming back for a strong church. Mm. Just think about it. how many marriages have, you, uh, how many weddings, all right, how many wedding ceremony have we seen where the bride comes in in a dirty bridal gown mm. or even a broken up, torn up bridal gown? None. We always see the most beautiful bride dressed in the most beautiful manner. So I believe Christ is coming back for the gorgeous, beautiful looking, bright. Hmm. Yeah. Both externally and internally. So I believe that the church will grow stronger. Yes, the you see the pruning is going to cause production, isn't it? Because you read John 15, he prunes so that you can be more productive. Yes. So the reality is I believe greater fruitfulness will come. Yes, 30% have gone away. And many, or a certain percentage, still stay online to watch us. But you know what? We're going to keep on going. We're going to keep on drumming the fact that you need to come back to church. And as soon as the miracles of God begins to explode in the church, and as soon as church becomes the church, I believe those folks will start coming back to church. Hmm. Because coming back to church is discipleship. Yeah. I mean, just just think about it. The folks are watching online are now late coming online as well. Sure. Yeah, they lost. <laughs> yeah, they lost the commitment. That's yeah, funny because they're rolling off their bed in the pajamas. Yeah, they're tuning in halfway yeah. through service.
0: Yeah. yeah, that's funny
1: because coming to church is discipleship because you got to get up early. Sure. You got to change. You got to gather the whole family into your car. Yeah.
0: And drive to church. Sure.
1: That takes discipleship.
0: Yeah, it takes commitment too. Yeah, commitment. Yeah. Well, we could talk about this for hours and hours yeah. and, um, you know, I, I, of course, would enjoy that. To, to kind of wrap this up today, is there anything else you would say, hey, I would love to, you know, this is what God has been speaking to me or I, I want to expand on this thought, you know, before before we, we land the plane, I, I would I would love to just hear if there's anything you'd love to share with the pastors and church leaders who are listening. Yeah,
1: I, I believe we're in a season of expansion. I believe... Uh it's all about kingdom expansion because because the reality is Christ is coming back. He's coming back for a gorgeous global church. Hmm. So I believe this is time before he comes back to see the greatest unprecedented harvest, Hmm. to see a strong church church mobilization and a strong church planting movement. Hmm. And for that to happen, I believe as Christian leaders, we need to capture God's heartbeat because He wills that none should perish. He's waiting for the gospel to be preached before He comes. Hmm. It's all about kingdom expansion. And if if every church step up into kingdom expansion, then we will finish the task. Then the end will come.
0: Amazing. Well, yeah. if if you're listening and you're not inspired to go out and grow your church and build it, I don't know what else will do that. But um, Pastor Dominic, it's been a joy to talk with you today, and thank you. I'm sure there's there's so much more that could be said. Uh, but we'll leave it for for next time. Maybe maybe when I get to come to Singapore, we'll yeah. we'll do another episode. And uh, we're excited for you being here and just a blessing that you've been for uh, this podcast and for our church. And just want to say thank you. Thank you. God bless.